Good morning, City Light, and happy birthday. This is awesome. My name's Doug, and I get to follow Jesus with all of you guys. Now, I don't want to be that old lady who, like, pinches your cheek and says, I remember when you were just this little, but do you remember this day right here? That was our first ever core team gathering in our old building. Literally, those lights were hung with wire hangers from Arnie's closet. We were all breathing asbestos right into our lungs. We had like four different colors of carpet, five different colors of chairs, and half the people in the room had the last name Wiggle, right? But it was a good start. We're off to a good start. And do you remember this day? Friends and fans, our first public gathering. It was like our public launch. We invited all of our friends and family to come out. The local newspaper wrote an article about what Jesus is doing in Council Bluffs. We had over 200 people on that day to worship Jesus. And then do you remember this day? I do. That was the day that my wife and I got to baptize our daughter, Shiloh. Shiloh had realized her sin. She admitted her sin to Jesus. She believed on Jesus to forgive her for her sin, and she committed to live her life with Jesus. And the whole church celebrated. The whole church went wild. It was an incredible day. Now, as personal and as special as Shiloh's baptism was, it was just one among 56 in the last two years. Yes, these yellow balloons that circle the screen on the stage, they signify 56 people who have given their lives to Jesus Christ and then went public through baptism to tell everybody. 56 people who have gone from death to life. 56 people whose eternal destinies have been forever changed by Jesus. And every one of them matters. Every one is a story and every one is eternal. Listen, City Light, we may only be two years old and still in our diapers and trying to figure out how the food fits into our mouths, but wow, Jesus has done some stuff, hasn't he? Jesus has been faithful. Jesus has been good. Jesus has been powerful. Jesus has shown up in our midst and in our city. And as Eric and I just prayed about what is next for our church, like how do we look back at the last two years and celebrate, but dream forward to the next 20 years. As we prayed about that, we were drawn to the book of Acts in our Bibles. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to the book of Acts. That's where we'll be this morning. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one in a chair rack that should be in front of you. And uh, you can keep that Bible, take it home, it's yours. And if you can read the font size in there, that's a miracle, hallelujah, okay? (laughs) Sorry about the font size, but we will be in the book of Acts The book of Acts is like a history of the early church. So Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. And then Jesus died the death that really all of us deserve. And then Jesus rose from the dead. After that, God was gathering a people to himself. He was calling a people to himself. And that was the church. And the book of Acts is a history of the first 30 years of the church. A guy named Luke, he was a doctor. Dr. Luke wrote this book. He had the money to do the research and conduct the interviews and hang out and spend time with the leading characters in the book of Acts. So he wrote it, and then he served us all well when he compiled it together, brought all the stories together, wrote it out and said, this is how it all began. This is how the early church began. And we, City Light, we want to take the time the next few months 
to dig into this and study it. See, what was God doing? What was the DNA that he put into his people? How did this go from some people, a bunch of scaredy cats in an upper room, to a worldwide phenomenon that is still moving and multiplying today, 2,000 years later? Just like Acts is the beginning of something that has turned out to be an epic thing, we believe what we've seen here in Council Bluffs in the last two years, Jesus has been marvelous. But we believe it's just the beginning. It's the opening credits to an epic story that Jesus is writing here in southwest Iowa for the praise of his name and the glory of his name. So let's dig in. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. We'll start right at the beginning. It says this. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with. Now, we should maybe pause there and just explain that a little bit. The first book is Luke's gospel, the gospel of Luke, that's his biography of Jesus, okay? And then Theophilus is a guy who, Theophilus may have commissioned this work, like did the fundraising to pay for it to get written out, or Theophilus may have been like a skeptic who didn't really know what he thought about Jesus, and he's like, hey, Luke, do the research and give me the real story about Jesus and his followers. Either way, let's keep going. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus, and then what's the next word, church? began, right? I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So in his first book, the gospel of Luke, Luke wrote 24 chapters, about 1,000 verses, and over 20,000 words about Jesus, about the birth and the life of Jesus, the teachings and the healings of Jesus, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And yet Luke looks at that, all of that, and he says, that was just the beginning. Jesus was just getting started. I might expect Luke to write, hey, in my first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus finished. In my first book, I dealt with all that Jesus accomplished. My first book was a biography of Jesus, but now this, this is a biography of Jesus's followers, but that's not what Luke writes. In Luke's mind, Jesus had just begun Jesus was just getting started, so Luke wrote in my first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. In other words, it ain't over. This is Jesus continued. Jesus still on the move, which gives us our first truth this morning. It's in your notes on that program you got when you walked in. Write this down, City Light, because it is the air that we breathe day in and day out. Here it is. Jesus got started and he ain't done yet. Jesus got started, but he isn't finished. Amen? What good news, City Light. I love what Jesus has done among us. Some of us in this room, we are radically different, deeply transformed people because of all that Jesus has done in us over the last couple of years. And some of us are wondering, wow, that's so much change. Is Jesus maybe done now? Nope, he isn't. Jesus got started, but he isn't finished yet. There's more to change, more to become like Jesus, more to shape into his image. Others of you, you might feel like you've had spurts or bursts of growth in Jesus, but then that's followed by like a season of just stalling out or getting stuck, right? Like for a few months, you're really connected to a city group, you're reading your Bible, falling in love with Jesus, but then some of those old struggles come back. Or that addiction attacks you again, or your ex sends you a text, and you walk away from Jesus. And you begin to wonder, well, I bet Jesus is done with me. 
three strikes and I'm out. But Acts chapter one, verse one tells us otherwise. You may have walked out on Jesus, but he's chasing after you. You may have tuned out on Jesus, but he is tuned into you. He started something in you. He's not gonna give up on you. He's not done with you. Jesus got started and he's not finished yet. And what's true for each of us individually is also true for our whole church. One of my favorite memories was our um, interest meeting, our first ever interest meeting. It was just like, hey, let's get some people together, see if anyone's even interested in planting a church in Council Bluffs. So we catered Qdoba like any biblical church should. Um, We met in Chuck Kaiser's backyard. Eric cast some vision to get everybody fired up, and then we prayed. And in that interest meeting, that evening, I prayed with Tammy Horton and Shauna Hawkins. I had never met them before in my life. I didn't know them at all, but I figured, hey, let's pray together. And from the moment that we circled up, I bowed my head, I closed my eyes, and from the moment that I heard those ladies start praying, I knew Jesus is gonna do something in Council Bluffs because Jesus is not turning a deaf ear to these ladies' prayers. I mean, they were asking Jesus to like move mountains, shake the heavens, and come right on down and visit our city. And sure enough, Jesus got started. He's done a few things. Then just last week, we had our regular monthly prayer gathering. We do it the first Wednesday night of every month. We just gather and all we do is pray. That's it. Keep it simple and pray. And sure enough, who was there at that prayer meeting? Tammy Horton and Shauna Hawkins. Now, in the last two and a half, three years since our interest meeting, Tammy and Shauna have seen Jesus do incredible things. They've volunteered countless hours in City Light Kids. They've launched a city group together. They've seen uh, Shauna's husband and two of her children give their lives to Christ and get baptized. They've seen Jesus do some incredible things. And yet there they were once again, gathering to pray and ask Jesus to keep moving. They were still asking Jesus to move mountains and shake the heavens and come visit our city. Why? Because Jesus got started, but he's not done yet. That first interest meeting, it was just the beginning. (laughs) And these first two years, City Light, they are just the beginning. Our birthday party this morning, it is just the beginning. Jesus has plans and dreams and desires and longings for what he wants to do for his kingdom to come and his will to be done here in Council Bluffs. He has dreams and plans and desires for things to do in Kansas City and things to do in Southwest Iowa. Jesus has plans and dreams, desires, desires and longings for your friends and your family and your neighbors and your co-workers. He wants them to know him and enjoy him. Yes, Jesus got started, but oh no, he's not done yet. Amen. Jesus is still working. All right, that's just verse one. Let's go to verse two. Okay. It's our birthday, y'all. Come on now. So Luke says, hey, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Then verse two, he says, until the day when he was taken up. Now catch this next phrase. After he had given, what's the word? Commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So Jesus lived and he died and he resurrected. Verse three tells us that after his resurrection, Jesus stuck around for about 40 days to show himself. He hung out with people and gave proof that it was really him. That whole death and resurrection thing, it was real. It's no joke. I'm here. This is real. And during those 40 days, what was Jesus doing? He gave his guys, he gave his church commands. He gave them orders. 
Now, I know this isn't really popular about Jesus, but it's what he does. Like, I'd wish that Jesus might give us some ideas. Like, give us some suggestions, Jesus. Give us some different options we might want to consider. But Jesus isn't the buddy of his church who says, hey, guys, what do you want to do today? Jesus did Lord, and the leader of his church who says, this is what you must do. Jesus gave commands. And that leads us to our second truth this morning. It's there in your notes. Here it is. Jesus gives commands, and he ain't playing. Jesus gives commands, and he's not playing. These commands that he gives, these marching orders to his church, are best summarized over in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, where Jesus says this to them. He says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. He gives them these commands. There they are, the marching orders for his church, and they are global and they are grand. They are far beyond what they could ever do. They're far beyond what we could ever do. And yet, we're a part of them. City Light, if we're going to obey this command of Jesus, if we're going to live out his marching orders, all nations, all that he has commanded, then hear the City Light, it will take every last one of us. Not just the pastors, not just city group leaders, not just serving team volunteers. It will take every last one of us from top to bottom, back to front, tall and good news, Eric, the short two. <laughs> Lanky and hobbits, old and young, we all are a part of obeying Jesus's commands. Now, last Sunday, this was awesome. If you were there, we got to baptize 10 people in our church. And I think some of these stories of these baptisms help us see what it means to make disciples. Like this first one is Ellie. Ellie and her parents started coming to our church really before we were ever at church. They were there from the very beginning. And when Ellie first started coming, she was quiet and shy, but also really sweet and kind. She volunteered in City Light Kids, and the kids just immediately fell in love with her. And then whenever we launched a student ministry, Ellie started coming to that. She's been faithful to pitch in, lead, health, and student ministry. One of the friends that she started inviting to student ministry is a gal named Serenity. Serenity's a good friend of Ellie's, and recently, Serenity just went through a really tough time. She lost her niece to death. So, I mean, Serenity's a teenager. She's just wrestling with all this grief, all this pain. What do I do? So what did Ellie do? Ellie just loved her. She prayed with her. She got her to student ministry. She helped her build friendships. Ellie just cared for her. And then through Ellie's life and Ellie's words, Serenity heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and she too gave her life to Christ. So last Sunday, we didn't just baptize Ellie. We also got to baptize Serenity too. Now hear this, guys. Ellie, she's just 17 years old. She's not a pastor. She's not a professional. She's no like Bible expert. Ellie just follows Jesus, <laughs> She just runs after Jesus, and then she turns to Serenity and says, hey, want to come with me? Come follow Jesus with me. That is making disciples. Another example, I think, is my friend Jason. So the very first Sunday that my friend Jason came to our church, he told his wife on the way home, we are never going back there again. <laughs> Why? He said we were a little too friendly and a little too excited, and that wasn't even a birthday Sunday, Okay. 
Now, thankfully, Jason did come back. And by God's design, uh, Jason and his family ended up in my city group. So Jason and I started grabbing lunches together. And uh, we'd talk about anything and everything, including Jesus. And so I just challenged Jason, hey, man, read one chapter from your Bible every day and just ask yourself these questions. Can I trust this Jesus guy? Like, can I trust him enough that I would put my life in his hands? I would give him my life. So Jason started reading, we kept talking, and eventually Jason answered those questions with yes. So very shortly thereafter, we got to baptize Jason right here on the stage. After he came out of the water, he climbed out of the tank, turned around, baptized his wife. It was an awesome moment. Now, after that moment, it wasn't like Jason became the perfect husband and the perfect dad. He still made mistakes and dropped four-letter words when he didn't want to. Like, he, he still messed up, but he was different. Jason had been changed by Jesus, and the way that he related to his children, it changed. He began to invest in his children and love them differently. He celebrated their involvement in student ministry. He loved his wife differently. He acted differently, and especially he talked about Jesus differently. And then as his children took notice and they watched dad do life differently, and as they heard the gospel every week in student ministry, Jason's two oldest children also chose to follow Jesus. And so last Sunday, Jason got to baptize both of them. City Light, that's making disciples. And dads, hear this. Every last one of you, you can be a part of this as well, right? Jason is no Bible expert. He's no paid pastor, but Jesus did a work in him. He loved his kids well, and he talked about what Jesus was doing in him. He was just open to his kids. Hey, this is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus is doing in me. Dads, any one of you can do that. Now, church, all of you, can I just ask you the question since Jesus commanded it of us? Are you making disciples? Maybe I need to back up a little bit first. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Have you come to that place in your life where you answer yes to those questions? You say, yes, I can trust Jesus. Indeed, I commit my life to him and I will follow him. Have you followed Jesus? And then if you have, whether you've done that in the last two seconds or you've done that in the last two decades, can I ask you, are you making disciples? The main way that we make disciples here in our church is through city groups. City groups are these small to medium-sized communities, little spiritual families that are just bent on making disciples, right? Their whole mission, nothing more, nothing less, is to make disciples of Jesus. And this morning, I wanna invite you, if you're not in one, I wanna invite you to get to take that step and say, yep, I'm in, let's make disciples together. You can just grab a Get Connected card in a chair back in front of you, fill that out, drop that in the giving box, on your way out, and we will follow up this week. It matters, and we would love to help you make that connection. City Light, as gently as I can, I will echo Jesus' words. He gave commands, and he wasn't playing. And if our church is gonna obey these commands, like if we're gonna be more than a crowd, if we're gonna actually be a family who makes and multiplies disciples, it will take every last one of us. Will you jump in and be a part of this with us? So Jesus got started and he ain't done yet. Jesus gave commands and he ain't playing. Now third, last but not least, let's look at Acts chapter one, verse eight. Now here's what's going on. The followers of Jesus, they've heard these commands of Jesus, right? And they're probably feeling what you're feeling right now, you know? It's like excited, but also probably you're feeling the weight of it. It's 
sitting on you a little bit, making disciples, man, this is global, this is grand. You're feeling the weight of it a little bit. It's kind of how I feel about running a 5K. I've never done it, never tried. I know what to do, but I just get tired even thinking about it, okay? So the disciples, they're probably feeling a little excited, but also overwhelmed and worried. And that's when Jesus says these words in verse eight to them. But you will receive, what's the word, church? Power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's right where they were at the moment. And in all Judea, that's like their region, kind of like our Southwest Iowa and Samaria, that's their neighboring region and to the end of the earth all around the world. You will receive, what's the word again, church? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This gives us our third and final truth this morning. Jesus gives power and he ain't leaving us. Jesus gives us power. Yes, the mission is massive. The command is colossal, but hallelujah, the power is promised. All that Jesus demands of us, he gives to us. All that is told of us, he does in us and through us. In fact, Jesus told these guys a few verses earlier, don't go anywhere. Don't do anything until you receive this power. Look at verse 4 with me, Acts 1 verse 4. And while staying with them, Jesus, he ordered them. Okay, here's his commands. Here's another order from, from him. He ordered them to not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father is this power. It is the Holy Spirit coming upon them. But do you remember what we read just a few minutes earlier in Matthew 28? In Matthew 28, Jesus gave a clear command that they could clearly follow. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. And yet here in Acts chapter one, he's saying, uh, wait a little bit, stay where you are. Don't leave Jerusalem. Now, if they're going to obey Jesus' command to go and make disciples of all nations, they're going to eventually have to leave Jerusalem. So the same Jesus who says, go to all nations says, hey, wait just a little bit, right? So there's this dynamic, go, but don't go yet. Why? Because Jesus knew they needed power. They knew their mission But Jesus knew their need. They needed power. And as we go through the book of Acts, church, we're going to see that when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon the church, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon a person, everything changes. In City Light, the same is true for us. Our mission as a church is to multiply disciples and churches. It is grand and it is global. And apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, we could never do it on our own. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we've got nothing. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we're gonna fall short. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we are lost in the dark alone, but with his power. Now lean in. If you've tuned out, that's totally cool, but give me the next two or three minutes. City Light, hear this. With the power of the Holy Spirit inside us and pulsing through us, lives will be changed. With the power of the Holy Spirit, churches will be planted. With the power of the Holy Spirit, Southwest Iowa is going to look different in 10 years. With the power of the Holy Spirit, Kansas City is going to plant a few churches in the next 10 years. With the power of the Holy Spirit, hundreds of orphans will be sponsored, dozens of churches will be planted, and Rwanda will be a different nation. 
With the power of the Holy Spirit, Japan will be marked by Jesus. And the training center we support in Lebanon will send church planners all over the Middle East. With the power of the Holy Spirit, it not only can happen, but we've been promised that it will happen. We will get to be a part of multiplying disciples and churches. Now you can say amen. God moves in power. It is, right? When the power of the Holy Spirit comes on us, God moves in powerful ways. We bear witness to Jesus. So City Light, when you dream of our church, would you dream of what the Holy Spirit can do through us and in us? Don't just dream of what like Eric and I can do. I don't know if you noticed, we can't do much. Like he can't even touch the net, much less the rim. I can't curl more than 10 pounds at a time, okay? Like don't dream of what he might do through us. Just go right past us and dream about what the Holy Spirit might do in us. With the power of the Holy Spirit, we can bear witness to Jesus in ways that lives get changed, churches get planted, and cities and nations are going to get turned upside down for the praise of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Now, let me ask you this question. What about you? Have you ever paused and asked the question, what is God's mission for my life? How do you play into this Acts 1-8 thing that God is doing? The truth is, you have a unique role to play. You have a unique story to share. God has a unique way for you to bear witness to Jesus. And as you think, as you pray, and as you dream about what is God's mission for your life, can I encourage you to dream about what the Holy Spirit might do through you? Don't limit yourself to your own strengths or your own weaknesses. Don't box yourself in with your past or your present, or your lack of education, or your lack of resources, but instead, could you dream of what the Holy Spirit in his power might do through you? Because with the power of the Holy Spirit, your family and your family tree can be radically changed for Jesus. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, you can turn from that sin, bid it goodbye, and grow in righteousness and holiness and purity and love. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, you can see your children come to faith in Christ or see your parents come to faith in Christ. With the power of the Holy Spirit, you could lead a city group or multiply your city group. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, you might be the next one in that tank getting baptized. Or maybe you're outside and you're the one baptizing your friend in the tank. City Light, hear the words Jesus got started and he's not done yet. Jesus gave us commands. They're real commands and orders and he wasn't playing. But praise be to God, he also gives us power and he will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen, church? Amen. Let's pray together. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to invite you to interact with God so you could be We've got plenty of time. We set up this part of our gathering just so you could be praying and talking to God and listening to God. And as we pray, I, just, I have a sense, and I've been praying all week, there's some of you who have been hesitant to step into that making disciples command. It's, it's scary to you. It's dangerous. It's been hurtful in the past, and you're just hesitant to step in and Maybe part of the healing process is just to be reminded that it is a command. It's not an option. So this morning, maybe God wants to call you to take that step. Maybe your response is just, yes, 
I'm filling out that card. They say it all the time. I'll fill it out this time. And so, Father, I pray for those people in the room. I've been there. I've been in their shoes. I've been in their chairs. And that step was scary to me. I did not know what was on the other side, but I heard you tell me to do. So, Father, I pray that you would speak to your children, whom you love so dearly, you care for so deeply. Would you invite them, but would you also command them to step into making disciples? And then others, my sense is, Man, our church has been going crazy. We've been going fast. Can we just be honest, church? Planting two churches this fall, going to three gatherings, new volunteers, new city groups, it's been crazy. Some of us get tired in that. I know I get tired, Eric gets tired. So I just want to invite you this morning, would you specifically ask God to give you the power of the Holy Spirit? Could you admit to him, hey, I can't do this, Jesus. You've called me into some things here. You've called me to help lead a new city group. I can't do this. Would you give me the power of the Holy Spirit? You called me to teach kids the Bible. I've never done it before. Would you give me the power of the Holy Spirit? You called me to share the gospel with my coworker who I've known for years, and I can't do it on my own. Would you give me the power of the Holy Spirit? And so, Father, all across this room, I ask, would you come in power on us? Would you fall on us now, Holy Spirit, and equip us, empower us for all that you've called us to do, all that you have commanded us to do, where, they, where we feel overwhelmed, would you fall on us, Holy Spirit, and give us power? Where we feel scared, would you fall on us and give us your power? Where we feel excited or self-confident, would you fall on us and give us your power? Oh, Holy Spirit, would you come and have your way, fall on us in power. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.